We are so glad that you're with us today, whether you're here in person or watching online, especially if you're new, new to Grace Church. Thanks so much for coming and checking out our church that meets in a movie theater. It's a little bit different, but I hope that you can feel God's presence, feel the power of the Holy Spirit. My name's Aaron Olinsky. I'm the lead pastor here at Grace, and you know today is, is Valentine's Day, so happy Valentine's Day. It's the national holiday to remind all single people that you're still single. So hey, but if you're in church, you're in a great place because you never know. Like one or two seats over to the right, you just never know. You might want to go ahead and glance if you hadn't noticed already. So church is a great place, you know, to celebrate Valentine's Day. But we're so glad you're here. I mean, for real, it's just incredible to feel God's love, to feel his presence. You know, last month, uh, for the whole month of January, we actually did a series called Radical Love uh, because we, we launched out on an incredible new vision statement for our church and for our area. And so we wanted to talk about radical love and what it looks like. And so if you weren't here or part of that, I would encourage you to go back and, and take a look and listen uh, at those worship services on YouTube and just those messages. And, and part of the reason I share that is because right now we're in the middle uh, or actually week two of, of our prayer and fasting. Uh, as a church, annually, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so right now we just wrapped up week two. And so we're coming into week three, which is great. And I, we've heard from so many of you that are fasting in different ways and denying yourself. And so thank you so much, not only just from us, but just our desire to connect together, like corporately as a church with the Lord and honor him and fast and, and believe for big, incredible things in your life, in our church, in our community. So continue. This is our last week. And so celebrate. If, if you're not yet fasting, I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, pick a day, pick a meal, pick a, a way that you can fast, uh, and, and then just dial into the Lord, read scripture, do your devotion during that time, but take some time this week and focus in. You know, it, it was interesting, I, I wasn't quite sure how I was going to fast this time, and so I was praying about it, thinking about it, and, and, and I decided to do a, a Daniel fast for several parts of the, the week, and man, I, I was going, oh my gosh, you know, because sometimes I'll do a total fast or a water-only fast, and, and, and I've never done Daniel fast. It actually has been so refreshing. Uh, it's amazing that a, a smoothie and a salad will carry you so far. And so I've been shocked, but man, I, I'm, I'm praying and believing for big things uh, in my life, in my family, in my marriage, in my kids, in our church, in our community. And we just want to knit our hearts together and do that and cry out to the Lord to do amazing things. So we talked about radical love. We talk, we're in the middle of fasting. And so right now, this is, we're doing a series called The Art of Neighboring. And it's a little bit different. Last week, I talked about having common ground with the people around you, and you can watch that on YouTube as well. But today, I want to have week two. Today's you know, message number two on this, and I'm going to talk about a familiar passage of Scripture, one that it's possible you've heard it before or heard reference to it or, or read it yourself, but it, it may be familiar to you. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a different spin on it so that it might impact us in a different way. So before we dive into scripture uh, for this message, I want to take a moment and let's pray. Let's, let's bring our hearts before the Lord and, and ask him to move. And so God, we just want to honor you. Lord, we continue to bless you. We bless your name. We worship you. We honor you for who you are. Thank you so much for being our loving, loving heavenly father. And God, thank you for not being distant. You are not far away, but you literally are close, and we can wrap our arms around you, and we can worship, we can bow our hearts before you, and kneel down, and just to, and surrender our lives to you, and so God, would you meet us in this place, uh, meet us in this worship time, meet us in this message, uh, Lord, that you would speak through your word, that you would speak through your scripture, God, that you would communicate through me the things that we need to grow, and, and what it looks like to neighbor those that are around us, Lord, that you would be glorified, in Jesus' name, amen. So let's dive in to this passage of scripture. This is Luke chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 25. It says, one day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. 
Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so this guy, it says very clearly, is an expert. So basically, he's got either a master's or a PhD in Old Testament theology. That's the type of, of, of man that is testing Jesus, that's questioning him. And so obviously, he's very pious, he, he's extremely knowledgeable, he, he probably has most of the Torah, if not all of the entire thing memorized by heart, but he's also a little prideful. And so he, he's quoting scripture, you know, he, he knows the, the, the Hebrew scriptures very, very well in the Old Testament. And so, and he quotes a very common scripture that's possible that you've heard this before as well. And we quote it often that we need to love God with all that we are and we need to love other people, right? That, that's love God, love others. We understand that and we get that and we quote that and we say that. And so this is what Jesus responds in verse 28. He's like, right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. <laughs> the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So this guy is doing so good, and then he's not. He's got, like, he's got it. He's, like, he's on, on, on the right path, and then, nope, all of a sudden his pride comes in, and he trips on himself, and I hate it in my life when my pride and my self-righteousness get in the way and my connection with my, my heavenly father and it, it causes unnecessary tension in my life and I see it all the time and so this religious leader basically is trying to define who his neighbor is and so if we look deeper into his motive what he's asking is is it okay for me to love other people and not some other different people is it okay for me to love certain ones and not others? Who is my neighbor then? Can, can it be them and not them? So he's, that's what he's asking. And the thing about it is, is for you and I, we're more like him than we want to admit. But Jesus handles this situation in this test, this question from this man so well with just incredible poise and wisdom. And as he usually does, Jesus uses this test and question as a teaching moment for everybody that's there and listening to his response. It continues in verse 30. So Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him up. They left him dead. They left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill is higher than this, I'll pay, the I'll pay you the next time that I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits, Jesus asked. And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. 
So this, obviously, is an incredible passage for us to understand the reality of the art of neighboring. What does it look like to neighbor other people? And so when I read this scripture, though, I have to be honest. You know, when I dive down into it a little bit, I think that this religious leader, this expert, I think that he got off easy. Because there's plenty of times in scripture when, you know, a, a religious person, a Pharisee or somebody will, will come and challenge and test Jesus, and he will totally just lay it on the line with them. And many times he would confront their pride and their arrogance and their religiosity, and, or he'll, he'll tell them to go and sell everything. Uh, but, but this guy, this gentleman, I think he gets off easy because he basically gets a thought-provoking story on what it looks like in the art of neighboring. And so now, the thing that I absolutely love is you and I get this incredible opportunity to read this passage of Scripture that Jesus himself teaches to this entire crowd. We get to read it and to take it and to apply it in our lives. And so the first thing that, you know, that we, we recognize and, and that comes out is there, there needs to be a level of care for strangers, people that we don't know, that we, that we encounter on the street in, in other ways. And so the art of neighboring absolutely is wrapped up in the story of the Good Samaritan. Because this, this Samaritan man meets the physical need of the man who was beaten up and left there. He, he meets his physical needs. His, he, he, he needed just support and, and healing and physical healing. So he meets those. He meets his material needs. Right? He needed the bandages, and, and, and so they used olive oil and wine like to, to, to clean the wounds and stuff, and, and he puts them up uh, for a couple days in, in the hotel, right? So he meets the, fi- the, the material needs and the financial needs. But then can't you also see that there's, there's an emotional response here as well? He had compassion on him. So he stays there with the guy to make sure he's okay. They probably were having a conversation. They probably were talking a little bit right? and, and relating. So we have to have this care for strangers. Now, before uh, we, we launched Grace Church uh, several years ago, I was a, a, an assistant pastor up in Jacksonville, uh, up at a church plant that started in 2004, and I was so glad to be there and be part of it. And so one of the, I had multiple responsibilities, and so one of the times uh, we, we set up just a, a special youth outreach. We were just trying to expose the teenagers to people in need and, and stuff like that, which is fantastic. You know, we, we do that often. And so what, what we did is we just decided, hey, we're going we're gonna to buy some, some food, some hamburgers, some hot dogs, and, and, and we're going to go to the beach, and we're going to grill, and we're just going to hand some food out. Like, wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be cool? And so all the teenagers were like, yeah, we'll, we'll eat, have some chips and drinks, and hang out at the beach. That sounds great, right? It'd be a lot of fun. So we do that. So we're handing some things out. And so what happens is, you know, I, I purposefully put us in, a, in an area where I knew that there would be some people of need. And so I, we did this, so we're, we're talking, we're handing out some hamburgers to, to homeless people, they're stopping by, we're talking to them, we're encouraging you know, the teenagers to pray for them and that type of stuff, just great, it's incredible. And so you can imagine, you know, there's a, a, a variety of people that are, are walking up, and then you know, I'll, I will never, ever forget uh, this one younger lady who walks up, and she was pretty disheveled. Uh, you could just tell, you, you know, just hair was uncombed, she's unkept, and she was high. Uh, it was pretty obvious uh, during that time, so she came up, and it just, it broke my heart, you know, to see just this incredible need and this hurting, you know, this, this person that's struggling with addiction and on the street. Uh, but one of the things that just I'll never forget and that just gripped me uh, is you could see the scabs on her lips. And so what that is, if, if you're not familiar with that, what happens is when you smoke crack and the crack pipe, literally the glass will break, uh, 
when, when it gets too hot. And so the, the crack pipe will get shorter and shorter and shorter, so the heat gets closer and closer, closer to your lips. And if you continue to use that, it literally burns and sears your lips. And so this young lady just literally had scabs um, on her lips. And it just, even now, it makes me feel emotional retelling the story and seeing her face. And, and, and hopefully it does as you as well. And so when, you, when we think and understand about caring for strangers, there is incredible impact in ministry uh, that, that we can have just on, on the street and with strangers and people that are in need. But the thing that's interesting is I share that story, and maybe you have a story like that. But I have stories that are just the opposite as well. Because sometimes I get it right, but sometimes I don't. <laughs> Several weeks ago, very recently, um, on a Sunday, after preaching a message, I was driving home. Uh, driving back to my house, you know, just going to grab some lunch after church. And, and I literally saw a man laying on the sidewalk as if he were dead. I noticed him, you see him lying there, it's obvious, you know, something's not right, something's going on, something happened, so all the thoughts run through my mind just the same way they do yours. Did he get hit by a car? Uh, is, is he drunk? Is he dead? He's, he's lying there, like, what's really going on? So I glance one more time, uh, I look at him, and I, I think to myself, I'm like, oh, you know, maybe someone else will come along. And help that guy out. And I kept driving. Um, so there'll be times that we get it right. And there'll be times that we miss the opportunity so, so severely. But the thing that I continue to grab a hold of is there are times that we can get it right. We're not always going to, no doubt. But there are times when you and I, if we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and we notice and we recognize, here in this story, in this passage that Jesus tells, there should be some type of response, compassion, motivation from us to at least do something. But these religious men that walk by, just like myself, they were more concerned about themselves. Uh, the, 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 the inconvenience of what it would be to, to take some time and focus on that person. The expense of what it might be if there's actually something severely wrong. And for them, you know, just the, the idea and the understanding of being unclean, being considered unclean if, if the person were dead or, or to be involved with them, it, just, it, would, it would cause great disturbance in their religiosity in following after the Lord. And so this man who's lying on the side of the road, uh, he was helped by what, uh, what Christian leaders would consider somebody, a Samaritan, would, would be like a half-breed, a half-Christian. So that man that others looked at and scoffed, actually was more Christ-like than, than those that appeared to be more religious. It's interesting, isn't it? It just it pierces through our soul in who we are. And so I believe that God gives us purpose. Uh, maybe you do as well. Do you believe that God gives you purpose in your life, that, that God has a plan for you? If, if you do, if you'd be willing to put your hand up, how many of you would say that God has a plan, a purpose for you, like a destiny? Yeah, absolutely. Many of us do. We love that. It makes us feel good. We're like, God, we know that you have something for us. And, and so we want to move for, forward in that. And so many times, like it just may be that we can help people. Our Part of our purpose is to help people that are in an extreme need. When we encounter them, when we see them, to, to be involved, to, to help them through that time, that season. 
you know, to help others, to, to serve at a soup kitchen or to help somebody who's down and out, struggling you know, with income or, or paying rent or whatever that looks like. And, and so I believe that God does give us a purpose. And on top of that, I also believe that God puts us in the place that we are. And so maybe you believe that as well. How many of you would say that you believe that God puts you exactly where he wants you and not only has a plan, but puts you in that place, in that sphere where you are in your life right now, that, that he's like, he's got you right where he wants you. Yeah, so many of us, we would say we've got not only just a purpose, but we're exactly where God wants us to be because he has put us where we are. And in fact, the reason I wanted you to respond is because I have some scripture that I, I want to read to you, and this should be very affirming to that fact, that you are exactly where God wants you to be. So here's a Bible passage that affirms that. This is at the, the book of the Acts of the, of the Apostles in chapter 17, starting in verse 26. It says, from one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. And so what this is, is this is God. God has established humanity through his son, Jesus establishes all the, the nations, the, the races, the people, all the individuals, you and I in our lives. God, Jesus is the one through, through whom everything was created and established. And so it continues. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. So that's for, for us. That's our purpose. That's, yes, the nations. That's governments. That's leadership. Absolutely. But this is also applicable to us as individuals. When we rise and fall, our days are numbered, establishes our boundaries, where we're going to live and when we're going to be there. And so you don't live where you live on accident. You know, maybe the house that you're in or the apartment that you're in, you were looking at possibly the school zone or you were looking at, you know, just the, the, the affordability factor, what you could, you know, how it fit in your budget or, or just, the, you know, just the floor plan of the house. You know, you were looking for a 3-2 or 4-2 or whatever it is, right? How, how we think we picked where we live. But based on these verses and if God put us where, we, where he wants us to be, I would say that possibly the Holy Spirit was involved in where you're renting or the home that you own. I mean, can we get to that place? I don't think that's a stretch. And so I think and absolutely believe that God put you in the neighborhood that you're in right now, whether it's an apartment community or in a neighborhood or a house or on the street, for a reason. And here's why. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him, and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. I love that. I absolutely love that. that, that the purpose is for him to be glorified. And perhaps, perhaps the people that we encounter, the strangers, the people that we know, perhaps they will come to know the Lord. Perhaps even through us, that they'll see us and encounter the, the Lord. I remember one of the houses we, we moved into, before I had ever even met the neighbors, we're moving in, we're doing stuff, that, you know, playing with the kids in the yard. Before we had ever even met them, they, you know, we go up and meet them, and they, they, they lit, oh, hey, what do you do? I, I mean, I love it when people ask me that question. I'm a pastor in a church. It just kind of opens up the spiritual, you know, discussion. And, and so, oh, wow, Th this was so cool to me. They go, oh, wow, we noticed that there was something different about you. And I'm like, is that good? <laughs> you know, so it just, it's so very cool. But we are so close. I love that in that verse. We are so very close. And even people that don't yet know Jesus are so very close. 
to knowing him and following after him. And so we can care for strangers, and then we also need to be caring for our neighbors. So that, that, that's, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to set it up as best I can in the art of neighboring that we are, we live where we are on purpose for a reason. And so maybe you love your home, and so let me ask you, do you love your neighbors? You know, these religious men, this religious man was asking Jesus, hey, who is my neighbor? He was trying to be selective on who he actually loved. Now, your, your neighbor may play loud music, have dogs that bark at 5 a.m. <laughs> I have that. I don't know if you do, but like, so, so sometimes we don't necessarily love, love our neighbors, but we can love them. And we understand. So let me ask you, do you love your neighbor? Because we've heard the great commandment before where it says, you know, hey, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul, with all that you are. But sometimes, even very often, we forget the part that Jesus then responds and say, yes. And just so you know, the second, that, that is just like it, that is just as strong, this command that the Lord gives to us, he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so often we forget that one. And so every single person that you and I encounter fits into a category in our lives. Every person. So like may, maybe there's just a stranger. So the, like, we have strangers, we have acquaintances, and then we have people we have a relationship with. Those are the three categories on every single person that we encounter. So it's a stranger, an acquaintance, or a relationship. And so since God establishes where we live on purpose, then if they're strangers and we don't yet know them, I would even dare say that God wants us to move to the place where they can become an acquaintance and we can get to know them a little bit. So maybe you move, you move new into a neighborhood, new, new house, new apartment complex, and, and you don't know all your neighbors, like literal neighbors, those that are living near you, across, behind, you know, backdoor neighbor, front, you know, across the street neighbor, whatever it is for you. So the first thing that we're going to do, because they're strangers, is we're going to begin praying for them. You might not even know their name yet. Dude across the street, like what, call him that for a little while. Like God knows him. God put him there on purpose, maybe to encounter you and, and, and himself through you. And so maybe, you know, this is part of your circle of five. We've talked about this multiple, you know, weeks. And, and so you have a circle of five. It's your sphere of five that God put around you. It may be a coworker, you know, the cubicle next to you or somebody on your team in a project or one of your employees or your boss or it could be your, your literal neighbor. You know, so you begin praying for that person. Maybe they're a stranger. They're your circle of five. So then obviously we don't want to remain strangers. We've got to meet them. And so sometimes I get it. Some people are more introverted and you're going, whoa, like you want me to go talk to them and initiate a conversation. I get it. For some of us, that's a stretch. But we've got to learn their name. We've got to know a little bit about them. We have to establish common ground with them. And then what we're going to do is we're going to move them from stranger into the acquaintance category. And the way we're going to do that, it was made reference to early in the service. We're going to invite them over. So you're going to set up a block party. This is a great idea. There's lots of ways to do this. But just a simple way, the simple concept to understand is you can have a little party in your driveway. Liter- and, and you invite your, your this side neighbor, your cross street neighbor, that neighbor, maybe a couple others that you know. You just say, hey, you pick, a, you pick a Friday night or a Saturday or whatever, whatever's convenient for you. Maybe you want to team up with your neighbor and just say, hey, I want to I do something. Like, I want to I just hang out. 
you know, together, and you do it, you're going to do this in your driveway, so you're going to have a block party. You've got tables, chairs, some food, some drinks. Maybe you decide to make chili, or, you know, maybe you make that amazing chicken buffalo dip stuff. Like, that just is amazing. Or, so you get your fire pit out, because there might be some kids. You've got some s'more stuff, some marshmallows. You're just going to have some fun. So you're taking strangers and moving them into the acquaintance category. Just throw a party. It's not that hard. Just buy some drinks and put them in a cooler and have some food on a table like, and just hang out. Just put your camp chair there. Just hang out. Just be a normal person. Just be regular and talk to them because we're moving them from stranger into acquaintance. And as you get to know them a little bit, I want you to keep praying for them because you're going to get to know them. And, and, and so when they're acquaintances in our life, we're going to move into their world. Like we're, we're purposefully being intentional to, for, to intersect our worlds that they would be in our sphere of influence. And so the way I do that is I just ask people questions. You know, where are you from? Where do you work? What do you do? Tell me about your family. You know, what, have, where have you gone on vacation recently? You know, what's, what's the you know, biggest thing you've ever done? What's your, what's your you know, biggest accomplishment, accomplishment you've ever had in your life? So you just start asking questions. So one of the other strategies I'll share, and I know I have neighbors sometimes that, that come and, and they watch these messages, and I have friends that I do this too because I want to get to know you better, so forgive me for kind of showing you my hand, but I'll borrow something from you. This is a strategy of mine. You can use it if you want. You can borrow it. So I'll borrow something from you. So I'll literally, I'll have a project I'm working on because I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit handy and I don't have all the tools that I need. And so I'm just going, hey, you know, I want to do this project. I don't have something for it. So I start looking around and asking, do you have this? Do you have that? What's the deal? What's going on? And so I don't mind borrowing things from people. I just don't. I, I, like, I don't so I don't mind lending things pe to people either. Like I have a truck and, and I lend my truck to people all the time. I'll pull my keys out, be like, here, no problem, but I get to drive yours and I love it when it's nicer than my truck. Like that's awesome. So like if they got to move a dresser or something, hey, no big deal, found something on Marketplace, I got to go pick it up. Hey, here are the keys, borrow my truck. I, I don't mind lending things to people. I don't mind borrowing stuff. And so when I lend things though, I realize I may or may not get it back. And so I just, I kind of lift that expectation on whatever it is. But if I borrow something from you, then I'm on the hook, aren't I? Like, I'm on the hook. I, I, you know, your table saw or whatever, like, I borrowed it for my project, and so, like, I'm not going to steal your table saw. I'm going to give it back to you. So, so, but I'm now on the hook. So my goal is now to return it in a timely fashion. The, the way that you gave it to me or better, or if I break it, I'm, I'm replacing it, right? This is normal, very, very normal, but it's part of my strategy to get to know them a little bit better because then they feel like they're ministering to me and I in turn get to minister to them. I'm not, please understand my heart in this. I'm not trying to be manipulative or formulaic in it, but there's just that something when you borrow something. There just is. It kind of takes that next step over. Uh, and and I've, I, I did this to my across-the-street neighbor. I was, I was fixing my sink, which I didn't get to fix all the way. I had to call you know, a rescue team to come in and help. But So I, like I, I, I talked to my neighbor about it while I was trying to do it, and he offered some tools. He's like, hey, man, you know, tr tr and I was like, yep, I'll, I'll take that, yep. Because I, I ain't going to lie, like I'm praying for that guy. He's in my circle of five. He's like, and so I'm just talking to him, like guy talk. 
about my broken sink and the, and the water leaking down underneath it, which was super annoying. So I borrowed all the tools, worked on it, fixed it, returned all the tools, and continued to talk to him through the whole project. And you know what he asks now? How's your sink holding up? And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, it's not leaking. You know? so, so then it just, it just is a conversation starter. And so it, it, like sometimes I just think we make it so hard and so difficult. It's taking you know, a stranger and moving them into the acquaintance level so that then we can in turn grow in our friendship and relationship with them. And we're talking about stuff and we get to know them. Where we hear, you know, what's going on at work. We hear things about their kids, we, some of their struggles, some of their life story. That it, it just is a beautiful thing when somebody takes part of their life story in their heart and they just, they offer it to you. That's an incredible thing. They're trusting us with their story. And so in turn, like we reciprocate and we share things that we've worked through as well. Because don't, I mean, if we believe that God has given us the purpose and God has put in us, put us in the spot that we are, then it's very possible, if not likely, that the things that we've worked through in the past are actually to help those that we encounter in the future. And so what if that person shares something, uh, you know, th something that they worked through with a grandchild or their son or daughter, or something with, you know, just as a major struggle at work, and they share it, and, all, and you go, wow, I've been through that. And you get to talk to them and relate, and you have compassion and you share what you did, and you can begin to, you know exactly how to pray for them because of what they're going through. So friends just listen and talk, and, and, so you, and you invite them over to, to the block party or to dinner, to, to, to hang out or whatever. And so being a good Samaritan, uh, you know, to, to somebody that's in a desperate situation is incredible. Like that, that, that makes us feel really good. It's fantastic. And there are amazing ministries that we can get involved with and volunteer to meet people that have extreme needs. But the reason I want to talk about the art of neighboring is because I believe that there are people all around us, all the time, that they are hurting. They might not be laying on the side of the road beat up, but they are hurting. They're hurting desperately on the inside. They're hurting spiritually. Their marriage is struggling. They're hurting financially, whatever it is. And they are in our everyday life. And God wants to use us to minister to them. And so I want to encourage you with this. We can do this. We can do this in a very practical way. And I would even say, like, if Jesus is going to answer this religious leader with a story about this man who was good because he helped somebody out, I think for you and I, we need to be looking for people around us that God literally is putting in our path so that we can intersect with because he wants to use us. And so, you know, one of the things that I love uh, just about preaching is I love to give action items. I want to give you guys like homework and things to do. So when's your block party? P pick a date. What, what Friday? What Saturday? Maybe it's a, a Monday. You know, there's, sometimes there's holidays on Monday. What, I don't, it doesn't matter. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grill out. Like when is your block party and you're going to invite people over? And then we've talked over these last couple of months about City Fest. So City Fest is this big movement uh, that, that Christian churches are joining together to do a big giant festival up in Vieira on March 6th and 7th. And so there's lots of outreach going on. There's trainings and it's going to be an incredibly big festival, big event. You know, we, we gave you invitations. So maybe part of your neighboring is inviting and, and bringing them with you. Just say, hey, there's this festival thing. I want to check it out, but I don't want to go alone. 
You know, will you come with me and just, we'll hang out for a little while, and you get to know them and hear their story. And, and so I just, I want to encourage you with it. Maybe you just, maybe it's not a block party or city fest. Maybe you just, you bring them to church. Maybe they're here with you now, and they're looking at you, elbowing you, and going, this is why you invited me. <laughs> You're plotting against me, <laughs> and he's your leader. <laughs> I'm just kidding, sorry. So I hope that we can get this, right? It, the, the, the Samaritan is good. And you and I have goodness in our heart because of God and his graciousness in our life. And so we're going to take that and we're going to offer it to other people. And so right now, like I, I seriously, I want to pray for us. Because I feel this circle of five. I feel that city fest. I feel that radical love and the art of neighboring. When we stack them all up and we actually live this out, I see a community that looks different in the future. And you and I are to be the catalyst to cause that to happen for God's glory and for his kingdom. And so if you guys could do me a favor, go ahead and stand up. And I want to just pray for us. And I want to pray a blessing over you. And so, Lord God, we come before you. Lord, we honor you. We bless you. Thank you so much for your word and your scripture. It comes alive to us. Uh, Lord, it, it penetrates deeply in our soul. And we feel it. And so, Lord, I pray right now just for, this, uh, for an incredible impartation to happen through your spirit. Lord, the things that you speak over us as people, Jesus, you being our Savior and our Lord, your Spirit just entering into our heart and our mind and our soul, Lord, that we would have that same power that, that we read about in Scripture. And Lord, I just pray right now that you would cause that to flow so naturally in us, that, it, that we wouldn't be concerned or worried, but that we would just be living out what you put in our lives. And Father, I, I thank you so much that we are sinners. We are sinners and we need you, Lord. We're desperate for you. We don't have it perfect every time. We don't get it right all the time. We're, we're imperfect, in fact. And Father, I just pray in that imperfection that you would cause greater dependency from us on you and that you would use us. Lord, we would want to just acknowledge we need you. But Father, we're making ourselves available. We're opening up ourselves to say, man... God, I, I want to do something more. I want to do something different. So, Father, would you just show us that person and that you would cause doors to open and opportunities to arise and conversations to happen so that ministry might take place through your love and your goodness. Lord, would you pour out your spirit on us that we might go to towns and people and neighborhoods and friends and work and be an extension of you and your kingdom would advance. In Jesus' name, amen.